This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So this week, we're going to do something a little different on the Oh My Dollar Show. A few weeks ago for the launch of Get Your Money Together, my cat-filled personal finance book, we had a small party at Outlet PDX, the studio of artist Kate Bingham and Burt. And while we were there... Myself and Will sat down to do kind of a meta episode of Oh My Dollar in front of a live audience. So here's the audio of the show. Enjoy. Uh, Facebook is working. That's good. All right. Are we going to start the show? Is that happening? I guess I'm in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the live episode of Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, and here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. And I'm the producer, Will Romy. Let's talk about money. Actually, we're not going to talk about money today. Let's talk about talking about money. Yeah, (laughs) we're kind of going to have a meta episode today. Uh, We're here at Outlet PDX, which is the studio of artist Kate Bingman Burt, to host a mini live episode of Oh My Dollar at the launch party for Get Your Money Together which is my cat-filled personal finance workbook. Most cat puns don't work as well in air as Will and I have (laughs) discovered. They really work a lot better in print. Um, But so yeah, today we're going to get a little meta and talk about the show of Oh My Dollar more than we're going to talk about money. And uh, maybe also talk about the book a little bit since that's why people have showed up. Slash to see this amazing space that we're in, which is pretty great. I'm staring at an electric dollar sign right now. So folks are on Facebook Live or are listening on the radio. I just want to set the stage. Everything is covered in sparkly balls right now, and we have an electric dollar sign. All the food is cat-shaped. Yeah, all the food is (laughs) cat-shaped with, like, varying degrees of convincingness. (laughs) Yeah, should we start? I think we've started. I guess we've started. (laughs) All right, so, Will, we started recording Oh My Dollar a year and a half ago. What did you think when I originally pitched you the idea? Well, I was trying to remember it so long ago. Um, so we, Oh My Dollar started off as a spinoff from X-Ray in the Morning. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I think when I think when I initially proposed it to you, I was imagining like a drive time, like call-in show. And then it turns out nobody wants to call into the radio at seven in the morning to ask questions about finances. Yeah, nobody calls into the radio ever. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to put the kibosh on that. Yeah, it, uh, also, it turns out that our target audience of millennials don't, don't use phones anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, they're not awake at 7 to 9 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and like, it turned out it was a lot better to do it pre-recorded mm-hmm. and accept questions by email because 
because everything's better when you pre-record it and can but make it perfect before. Soon, <laughs> soon, one of the day- these days, we're going to require you to take like an audio note on your phone and send it to us by email. So you know, you don't have to call anybody, but we still want the audio. Mm. One of these days. Yeah, initially it was just Lillian speaking in, to herself in a room, and I would just sit outside <laughs> and record. And then we decided we needed another voice, so I'm. I don't know, the Abbott to your Costello or yeah. I, I don't know which one is which. The one, the, <laughs> the dumb one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really don't know which one is which. So I might be the dumb one. Right. <laughs> Either way. The, I, think, I think you ended up becoming a foil because we decided it was really boring to just listen to one voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because Will had to pretend to be different people since everybody sends in all their questions by email. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> We didn't have any audio yeah. files. Savvy listeners might have caught on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember we wanted to do a bunch of, like, really early, before we ver- had very many listeners, we wanted to, like, get people to tell us about their worst financial mistakes, and we just went around and grabbed everybody at the studio there for the morning show and made them sit down and tell us their worst financial mistakes. Mm, that was fun. It was, <laughs> it was fun. We actually got more than we could use in the show. Yeah, people participate. Everyone's got some bad financial errors. Yeah, it was financial procrastination. Yeah. I think it was that episode. So if you go back and listen, that wasn't due to explicit sourcing of people. That was due to literally running down the hall and just grabbing random people, forcing them to talk about their financial mistakes. And it worked. So the book's out. Um, what was the hardest part of writing the book for you? Uh, well, one, I tend to write for radio. And rating, radio is very conversational. And then when you put it on the page, it sounds kind of like you're talking to a 10 year old so like making it sound more sophisticated i think coming from coming from writing for radio which is a different skill like radio is very simple you can't have long sentences on radio because then people get lost uh not being able to like see commas uh when you're talking so i think that was hard uh the other part was that i wildly overestimated how quickly i could do every piece of the book yeah, when did you start? It kind of appeared to me fully formed. <laughs> you, would, you would just, <laughs> you would written a book one I don't think it's fully formed day. yet. <laughs> so uh, uh, I think we, st- I started writing the book back in like February of last year. And then the whole text of it was pretty much written when we launched the Kickstarter in October. Because um, I like ran away to Siberia for a month and then came back and launched a Kickstarter the next week, which was like one of the dumbest decisions of my life. And uh it was already written, but then it turned out that uh, there's a lot more work to do on a book after you write it. Fun fact. You have to like, especially when it involves a bunch of illustrations. So there ton- turned out to be like, you have to like, I don't know, add margins. Basic things like that. Also, the I was the kid in school that would like be long-winded and they would say like, it's a five-page essay and you know, you're supposed to have like half-inch margins. And I would like, slightly push them out thinking they wouldn't notice that I went from a 12 point font to an 11 point font and a like 0.4625 margin and uh you can't really do that with a print book (laughs) (laughs) people kind of notice when like the words are running off the page so I also think all my teachers probably noticed and just let me get away with it I don't think I was really pulling one over on them (laughs) but All right, Will. So we've done over 60 episodes now. Not all of them have made it to the podcast feed. But is there one or two episodes that kind of have standed, stood out as being memorable? Hmm. Uh, the financial procrastination one's good. I definitely... 
have gotten more out of the habit of letting my bills season uh, <laughs> much mature. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the past couple we've done uh, talking to, what was his name? Who did the uh, the book on... Pragmatist Guide to Life. The one right before that. The book on cool mothers through oh, history. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's been interesting talking... Jason talk- Porath. Jason Porath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's been interesting talking to people who aren't necessarily financial experts, but about the things they do and how they deal with finances. It turns out that, like, Everyone has to deal with money at some point. Mm-hmm. And so everybody has some some interesting things to say about money. Yeah, hear, hear, hearing what other people do is, is, is interesting. Uh, what any, any standard episodes for you? That's a good question. Um, I actually, it hasn't aired yet, but uh, it will by the time this show comes out. And it's called The Pragmatist Guide to Life, which is like a book that you can get for 99 cents on Amazon. But it was probably the two most intense people we have ever interviewed um, and they aren't financial experts in any way. They're just extremely pragmatic people that have figured out how to engineer all life decisions based on the most pragmatic choice possible. Um, and they essentially have algorithms to run their entire lives. And it made me really think about like, oh, how could I be more efficient with things? Also, they they convinced me that I don't need to get a duvet because I've been putting it off for <laughs> like five years. And they're like, it's probably not actually a priority for you if you still haven't bought one. So, yeah, I liked them. They, they were interesting. I've been, yeah, I just finished that one today. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Thanks for editing it, Will. <laughs> what do you wish you had done differently with this book? With now that you have all your piles and boxes of books sitting back there, do you have anything you wish you did differently? <laughs> yeah. Now that I have two uh, books, well, one, don't have the president get involved with the trade war with the country that you're printing the book in. So if you can avoid that at any w- in any way, don't do that. Uh, th- I actually, the thing that I wish I had done differently is not actually something I wanted to change. It's just something I wish I had done earlier, which is that we ended up releasing the chapters in um, week by week, but we decided to do it like a month later than I think would have been appropriate if we had thought of it earlier, but we thought of it like two days before we started doing it. Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful. I also bribed people with cat stickers if they found typos. And uh, that worked really well. And I wish I had kind of thought of it earlier. Were there a lot of typos people found? I don't know if I, I followed you. Like, yeah, you can find, if you go to like ohmydollar.com slash catnip typos, I think, uh, <laughs> you can find the list of all the typos and who found them. Uh, there were just some people that like were bored at work that every time a chapter would come out, they would send me back a list of all the typos. Um, but it turns out being the only person to look at a book, there will be typos. So um, having like 50 people act as my proofreaders lured in by cat stickers totally worked. Cool. Okay. So when we started, you were like, I remember you kind of being like, yeah, I could maybe use a little help with my finances. Yeah. When I you was... started doing the show. Was there anything that you learned on the show that you ended up implementing? Um, implementing? I would, I would definitely say, like I said, not letting your bills... Uh... <laughs> season is <laughs> has been big um I, I definitely budget more i could still probably stand to budget even more um or, or or follow a budget more closely is key i'm definitely less paycheck to paycheck than i have been which which is pretty great um what else i feel like i've got a better grip on 401ks and investing though i'm not actively doing those things though yeah. <laughs> but you understand but them. i, but I understand them damn it them. yeah <laughs> Remember how we talk about how you should just get started on the show? Yeah. Well, yeah. But then, yeah. There's more to it. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there anything else that you anything think you should else implement? else that I should be implementing. But you're not yet? 
I think I've been pretty good. I was I was fairly on top of my finances, so I feel like it's all the details sort of coming together. I think I've got a better grasp on my my holistic financial picture, which which I think is valuable. Yeah, that's um, that's the yeah. goal. Yeah. Thank you for being my number one guinea pig. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, all right, so you know you know all of the numbers. All of the numbers. All of the numbers. <laughs> at least at, le- at least I the know. first ten thousand or so. Um, how many numbers are in this book? No, what are the numbers on this book? Was it super cheap? You're selling them at ninety nine cents a copy yeah. on Amazon. I wish I could sell them at ninety nine <laughs> cents a copy. Um, the so we raised fifteen thousand on Kickstarter, and then we've raised another close to four thousand in pre orders after the Kickstarter. Uh, which sounds like excellent and like I should be rolling in money just like the cats in the book. Um, in in reality, I took home uh, about $2,500 of that, which is um, like excellent and great and pays two months of living expenses, but not, I think my, I worked out my hourly rate right now between the writing and the designing and the marketing and I'm somewhere around $4 an hour. So I'm doing okay. Maybe the book was a lot more expensive to print than initially anticipated, um, partially because I wanted pretty things in the book, mm-hmm. um, but also because we got involved in a trade war and because I underpredicted margins. So we had to make the book bigger <laughs> in order to have margins built in. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Wow. And the gold leaf, the real gold leaf. Well, see, I initially <laughs> estimated those. As yeah, I, I estimated for real gold, and then we had to downgrade to gold foil. But <laughs> it's the book is doing okay. It's paid for itself, but no one is getting rich off personal finance. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Do we have any audience questions from people that are here? If you're on Facebook, we just still don't know. But if you're on Facebook, text one of us. <laughs> When I took one of your workshops, you recommended a really amazing app to like track my spending and categorize it and help me like budget. Um, it was called Level, and it was awesome. And then they like went bankrupt and <laughs> stopped existing. That's how all good budgeting apps end is by going bankrupt. Exactly. So I know that they really knew what they were doing. Um, have you found a good replacement for that app that is as easy to use and is pretty and has like cute little icons? So yeah, Level was one I really recommended to people that wouldn't like traditional budgeting apps because it is very color-based and it just gives you an amount every day that you can spend. Um, if you if the thing you liked about it was, there's, a, there's nothing quite like it, but the if the thing you liked about it was the safe to spend, like the amount every day that it would be like, this is okay and you can still pay all your expenses and like spend this much on coffee. Um, uh, Simple, the bank, if you, they have built in budgeting software into their banking and they'll give you a safe to spend level. Um, But the downside of that is that everything has to be in their bank, which is super annoying. Um, So if that's like the main thing you like, there's a whole new crop of budgeting apps coming out that are Facebook messenger bots that will tell you that are like, very approachable, talk to you in like real human language, but it'll, but it'll like give you advice like, yeah, you really probably shouldn't get that coffee. Or like, you can get that coffee, but then remember, you have to pay for Netflix coming up in three days. Um, and there's a couple of them out there. Uh, I haven't dived too deep into the research, but I think a lot of them are good replacements for level. And I think that you can kind of just Google around and be like, Facebook money bot. It is a Facebook messenger app. They're trustworthy. 
Um, some of them are. Will this bot also help me get promoted? It won't send you back to Russia. It won't send you back to Russia. I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, it will it recruit you? I guess for the Russian government. I don't know. Um, yeah, those are my only. Those are my only solid recommendations. We are updating the Oh My Dollar list of apps that kind of walks through the different ones. Um, and the book that we're here to launch kind of walks through different budgeting methods based on your personality type um, <laughs> and like different tactics. Because budgeting isn't all about spreadsheets. For some people, that's like never gonna work. And so it kind of walks you through it without picking out specific apps. It'll talk about different kinds of budgeting. Um, that can work, including like freezing your credit cards in ice, which is a totally valid budgeting method um, because then you have to melt it. And during that period of time, you may reconsider your purchases. But that only works if you delete the um, credit card numbers from your browser, though. So you, you have to do that, too. It's <laughs> good. I think it's good. We were aiming for a 15-minute show, and we've done... Exactly 15 exactly minutes. Exactly 15 minutes. So we did a great job. Hard stop. <laughs> All right. That wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. And today it's live at Outlet PDX in Portland, which you can find at outletpdx.org, I think. Uh, our intro music that we did not play is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal financial educator and host. And thanks for listening. Until next time. Remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Thank you, Mansfield and Columbus, for welcoming Revision LASIK and Cataract Surgery into your community for so many years. Hi, I'm Dr. Schumer. Over the past 30 years in Mansfield and 25 years in Columbus, we have had the pleasure of getting to know you and the privilege of helping you achieve the best vision. Revision will continue this long-standing tradition for many years to come. Visit revisioneyes.com.